We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. How about I go ahead and address the larger than average elephant in the room? No, I have never coached the sport that you folks call football. And heck, you could fill two internets with what I don't know about football. <laughs> Hold on now. If I were to get fired from a job where I'm putting cleats in the trunk of my car. You got the boot for putting boots in the boot. <laughs> I love that. You know what the happiest animal on earth is? It's a goldfish. You know why? No. Got a 10-second memory. Be a goldfish, Sam. All right, welcome back to Big Screen Sports Podcast, where all movies are sports movies. I am your host, Kyle Banduho. We are here for the penultimate episode of Ted Lasso Season 3, potentially the penultimate episode of Ted Lasso. We have the whole band back together. Uh, from Bed for the Win, Caroline Darney. From For the Win, Alex McDaniel. From The Athletic, Nicole Auerbach. From the Gojo Podcast, Mike Golick Jr. Got the whole squad in tonight. Uh, but before we dive into it, as always, want to shout out our Big Screen Sports Patreon group for supporting the show, keeping this train running, especially our Big Trail producer-level patrons. That is Aaron Figueroa, Mike Schubert, Steve Rogers, Kevin Frost, Mike D., Ryan Yeager, Mike Trees, Chris Mikoski, John Craig, Sam Smith, Zach Rich, Jason Alba, Stephen DeBow, Dan McFall, Kevin Inkman, Mac Lindsay, Kurt Ritchie, Robert Dove, Jim Scroggs, Andrew Teagle, and of course, Classic Stadium Fire. Big thanks to them and all of the patrons for supporting this show, for keeping, keeping with us during this season of Ted Lasso. Uh, we're... We're almost done. Uh, this one, like pretty much all the episodes preceding it, an absolute heater. Uh, Got We'll we'll do some different stuff next week for the finale. We'll do a finale recap. We will probably do separately, kind of a retrospective, a look back at the series. Um, you know, maybe redraft. I don't know. I don't know if there'll be enough time, but uh, we'll certainly not be totally done with Ted Lasso after next week's episode. But uh, with that, let's get to. Caroline, Alex, Nicole, and Mike, and me talking Ted Lasso, Season 3, Episode 11, Mom City. All right, returning to big screen sports to break down the penultimate episode of Ted Lasso. Gang's all here from Bet for the Win, Caroline Darney, from The Athletic, Nicole Auerbach, from For the Win, Alex McDaniel, and from the Gojo Podcast, Mike Golick Jr. Folks, important question, does AFC Richmond have the worst cleaning crew in all the land? I was like, how did they not find him for two hours? Did they not sweep under the desk or vacuum? Incredible. Why didn't why didn't he just get up at that point? It's just the cleaning crew. (laughs) It's not the cops. Right. I mean, I understand like not wanting to walk out there when 
Ted and Beard and everyone are there, but the cleaning lady. Can walk yeah, you don't want to break exactly. up the conga line, but I think we can, <laughs> as they're throwing out the trash bin, that he kindly pushed out into the it clearing. That was my for favorite them. part. <laughs> I liked when he obviously had like one of his legs had fallen asleep and he was like, like stumbling up. <laughs> Just honestly, a bad episode for cleaning crews. If you go also to a taste of Athens. Um, Mm. they're not cutting it either so just not, a lot, not a lot of sweeping mopping vacuuming happening enrichment is what i'm learning indeed or indeed. or or what tooting's tooting did they say tooting which by the way is like an hour commute from richmond if we're just going to be real like that's very unrealistic that they're going back and forth between tooting and richmond but i digress Let's... i i would also say that the plot of the entire show is a little bit unrealistic but <laughs> oh come on <laughs> we love I... it <laughs> this is where alex draws the line she's like they would <laughs> never <Here's> drop it. <laughs> <laughs> google maps makes no sense and now, that's like like three miles for mike though so i mean really it's all relative time's a flat true. circle folks true I was actually kind of curious when Rebecca mentions that she's not using her private jet anymore. I looked at kind of like a Premier League map and I'm just like, how much private jet travel like intra England happens? Although I guess if you're rich enough to have a private jet, like you don't really give a shit if you're just like going 30 minutes away. So that's probably that's probably just more of a symptom of having a private jet than a necessity. But I, I was very curious why she would be flying private for like a maybe like a 15 minute flight. I don't know. England just seems like Austin to San Antonio for me <laughs> would you not take it oh. would you not take a private jet if you could though oh yeah yeah no i i, I would i would <laughs> remember just... when remember when all the like swifties got mad at taylor swift for taking private jets and said that she needed to work on her carbon footprint that was immediately what i thought of with nora <laughs> asking her not to fly to games but yes she's also been on the bus with them for other yeah. i guess maybe like to and from airports but we've seen her on the bus so she is not really a woman of the people, but well, she's what changing. Was, she's turning over a new leaf. She flew. What was it's like my favorite episode in the make Rebecca great again. Is that when they went to Liverpool? No. Yeah. 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 They flew to that because that was when she kicked Higgins off the flight. Yes. And, and then, then she was in the bus with them in Amsterdam, but that could have been just to get to the airport. Yeah. yeah. They've been hmm. slightly flexing her wealth more and more between uh, having enough cash on hand to fund a PR company. Uh, she's buying a horse <laughs> this episode. Uh, owns a, owns a, a private jet. Because <laughs> private jet is like a different level of, of financial wealth. Like I know she owns the Premier League team, but uh, alas... Since we're since we're shooting for a tight forty five here, I think you know. Let's get into it. We are, you know, we're almost there. It's sad. The uh, as we record the preview of of the potentially the final episode of Ted Lasso has has appeared on Apple Plus. But tonight we are talking about Ted Lasso season three episode eleven, Mom City. An unexpected guest has Ted on edge when Richmond travels to Manchester for a big match. Roy and Keeley become concerned about Jamie. Folks, Caroline, I will start with you. What is the biggest takeaway from this episode? Phil Dunster should win an Emmy. <laughs> I guess that's more like takeaway from the season, but uh, holy character arc, Batman. Jamie Tart has just gone from man child into just one of the most endearing. He's him and Roy together are up there for me with like David Rose, Schitt's Creek level, like 
just love for a character that we've seen in recent television um and this episode was just so beautiful for him to again it's a show about fathers and sons <laughs> so i can't yell the voice again. or it doesn't count <laughs> you have to do the right thompson voice no, I'm so bad at it. <laughs> do um, it. <laughs> Mike, can you do it? Can you do Wright Thompson saying fathers and sons? Or can you do Jason Kirk as Wright Thompson saying fathers and sons? I wish I had that tool in the bag. <laughs> fathers and sons. Moving. Uh, but it was just such a great... I just love... Like, Jamie with his mom was perfect. Jamie's stepdad was perfect. We have Paul Hollywood reference. Um, My so, guy. Yeah, I just really, really enjoyed we're close to as we're closing down all of these storylines that felt like Jamie's like, obviously, I think next week they win the whole fucking thing. Um, I don't even care if it's cliche or whatever. I really liked how they did this week um, rather than have him have to score a game winner, having him score the insurance goal. Perfect. No notes. Um, and it was just a beautiful way to cap jamie's growth with it showing how far he's come with keely obviously we've talked a lot about how far he's come with roy um and that was like genuine concern from two people in his life that a season and a half ago did not give a shit what happened to or i'm sure keely did but you know what i mean like just how far they've come and i think that was probably my favorite part of this episode I I agree in terms of like just genuine love for a character and a pairing. And I just, any scene that Jamie and Ryan are in together, I, I love so much. I have a lot of specific questions about Jamie's mom uh, later <laughs> that we need to talk Me too. about. <laughs> Mike, how serious is it with Simon? Is I my just say, where does like, she like to hang out on the weekend? What are her favorite flowers? I mean, I'm glad that she's the one that came up with the sexy little baby. Like, yes. I'm glad that yeah. we learned the origin story there. Um, so obviously, I think the, the big takeaway is this is about forgiveness. This is about forgiveness in multiple story arcs. This is kind of the main lesson of Ted Lasso, right? The fact that Ted forgave Rebecca is what allowed this whole world to exist in the form that it does right now. So, um, you know, obviously you had Jamie forgiving his father, even without his father there to free himself up. You had the amazing Beard and Nate scene where we've been waiting for Nate to have a moment with Ted. And instead we have the note, you know, with, with Will Kitman and we have the interaction with the teammates and now we have the beard moment and his backstory. Um, and so I, I just, and then Ted forgiving his mom for, for not being the mom that he needed after his dad died, just like incredible. Um, all of those storylines just like really hit hard. I will also say I texted this to you guys. I think you thought it was a joke, but the Jamie Keeley Roy Thruple is still alive. I know there are a lot of shippers out there. There are a, a lot. lot of different oh. pairings on this show, but come on. There was a lot of interactions, the three of them together. They were sharing the champagne bottle. Like, come on, that, that could be, that could be a, a thruple. <laughs> That's also kind of like two, two young hip parents and their kind of misguided son uh, a little bit. The, <laughs> the one thing about, I think we learned so much about Jamie and who he is seeing him. We've seen him interact with his dad. We've now seen his mom. I think I texted this to the group. I at least texted you a couple of you. It early on gave me boardwalk empire season two vibes. If you know, you know, 
Um, but it, it, it seemed like very sweet. Yeah. You, you just, uh, I'll I explain later, Caroline. Yeah. <laughs> I, do, I don't do any of us now. <laughs> Boardwalk Empire was great. Uh, Nicole, might, Nicole might need to, to pull me back people, in. But... He's got the most people on the podcast that we've had and all of us were like, I don't know. No, we were, but know. we were gonna let it go. We were all just gonna be like, yeah, yeah, totally, yeah, definitely. Boardwalk Empire was very good. There was a, there was just a plot that if you had seen Boardwalk Empire and then you saw Jamie and his mom interacting initially, you would have been like, oh, interesting. That but anyways. does not help us. That is exactly <laughs> what I would have guessed based on you saying, if you know, you know. <laughs> yeah. That this moment reminded me of that show. You didn't tell us anything that happened in the show. Listen, we'll we'll take this off. In the cats, in the cradle. In the <laughs> um, Alex, we haven't really heard from you yet on what the big takeaway from this episode is. <laughs> I too am amazed. Um, for me, it's it's not well, it's Ted's going home, obviously. And I what? think it's, it's coming up, isn't it, bro? But you know what what really surprised me? And I think it it just added some depth to it that I really appreciate it because I think we all knew he was going home, but it was like, how's he gonna get there? How's he gonna end up back with Henry? Broke my heart when he said to his mom about like I, I'm scared to get close to him. Like if you really found this other thing of it wasn't just the distance, he wasn't living every day saying, Oh, I've got this team, guess I can't be with my kid. Like, I think part of him being over there was sort of a crutch because he had dealt with so much emotionally and processing what happened with his dad and the divorce and everything. And I, I he's ready now. And I just thought it was a really beautiful way to tell that story. I would, I would say in, in at risk of being redundant, because you guys have said a, a lot of the good stuff at this point. It's a reminder to this episode. We are so much harder on our parents than we are on anyone else in our lives because the way Ted t- chose to broach that, like, look at all the care he took in laying the groundwork for Nate to come back. And obviously the interaction and the slight with Nate is much lesser than a son having to deal with his father's suicide with a mom who didn't know how to deal with it herself. But we see, and all of us, I think, tend to afford so much grace to our friends and stuff like that. But, you know, I I think at times, and I feel this myself at times, we're like, I'll get frustrated with my parents about something, and then I'll catch myself and be like, what, what am I actually talking about here? And the way that everything came out with Ted and his mom at the end of that was sort of indicative because there's not another personal relationship on the show that Ted would have chose to broach that subject with the way he did with his mom, where he alternates back and forth between thank you and F you and how that whole cadence of that conversation went. Yeah, it's just it's interesting how the whole episode kind of touching on what Nicole said was leading to these kind of finalities with characters. We've got everything leading in. And then with Ted, it's the the biggest like the top of the pyramid essentially of realizations and finalities of what is what is he going to do and, and what is his decision going to be and i think like alex said like he's definitely leaving but i think we're getting some more indications of how things will shape behind him um roy saying that nate is good at all the shit he's not like it, it seems like they're the perfect pairing to i guess leave afc richmond to my take from this episode not take away but just take in general uh i thought the first 20 minutes were not my favorite maybe even like the first 15 and then i thought the rest of it was an absolute heater the jamie at at first like i think phil dunster was incredible especially in the back half of the episode especially like once we get 
to Manchester. I wasn't, I was kind of mixed on how they handled him struggling because it was in the boot room. And when Keeley visits him in the hotel, it's kind of played for a comedic effect. And that's not like, this is someone who is actually going through some, some significant personal turmoil that, that part. And like how, how the show designed it for me was a little uneven, but like Caroline said, I think he was incredible this episode. And I, I thought how they handled that on the back end and how they made it his moment and, and the, the culmination. Like I think in terms of storylines that we've wrapped, cause I mean, that's the, the thing with every show is how are they going to, you, you want to have some sort of finality with people. You obviously, you know, some shows do it differently as far as giving you everything that's ever going to happen to these people. Some, you know, at least put them on the path, but I think we're basically done with Jamie. Like we've had the, yeah. the full come around and growth. We are one emotional conversation with Ted away from being kind of set with Nate. I think. Um, yeah. Roy Did y'all see Ke- the finale trailer, by the way, with the clip of them hugging. They dropped sure the finale trailer. Finale what? trailer. Yeah, they oh, dropped man. it tonight, and there's like, there's not much in it that's new, but there's like a, a scene in the locker room where they're crying, and Nate's, or they're hugging, and Nate's crying. I think. Yeah, that's that's Ooh. all that's missing because we already know Ted forgave him. Mm-hmm. Like that part has already happened. Um, it's interesting. I was talking to someone who is like a couple episodes behind, who is like, I don't know how they're gonna wrap all this stuff up. Feels like they're just, you know, they're just kind of moving along and i was like well in the last two episodes they have really started to like tie yeah. loose ends um i mean it feels like we're very close as well for uh roy and keely yeah right we're i mean they, they got conversation away there too they got interrupted but they were almost there i it better be what i hope it is because i my I just I just can't. Well, you know, you know what there's still there's still obviously i know a, a, at least a couple of us in on this pod believe that the Dutchman might come back. Um, But we still need some resolution between like Sam and Rebecca Mm -hmm. and then also Sam and the restaurant a little bit, I think, Um, because the matchbooks has been such an important piece. But also like the last time we were at the restaurant was um, Sam Richardson trying to like shut it down. So there is a little bit left on that on that one, too. I I wonder if. that scene in this one where they're watching you've got mail was actually kind of meant to be their closure. Caroline, I thought the same thing because, because those, it was those the, glances the to me were less sexy and then they were like knowing and sort of appreciative of like, Hey, yeah. we shared this thing. And you almost saw that like wry smile from Rebecca. I don't know if I'm doing too much body language watching, but <laughs> it did read Caroline. I thought the same thing. I, you know, yeah. you guys, you guys might convince me. Cause I, I took a note and, and they like, it was playing as they were doing that was I wanted it to be you. So yes, very exactly. Tense. And I very much got, and this is because we're all Swifties. I, like I got like the one vibes where it was like, yeah, I wish it could have been you, but like it wasn't and that's okay. And it was like a loving glance that was like the ship has sailed, but we had some, like, that was a nice thing that we had. Um, so I would be like, that's what I, like, maybe that's what I'm telling myself because I want no, the no, no, no. I, you guys, con- you guys but, totally convinced me, but we do need yeah. Rebecca love life, I guess. Yes. Mm-hmm. Resolution. Yeah with the Dutchman and I don't even know so the it's still for we we had after we had the um the psychic we had how many of those right away and then we've been waiting because I wrote that post content um that was like where are we at with Rebecca's psychics you know well and it's been stuck on the thunder and lightning thing 
So I still think it's going to be he's, Very he, he dips into Sam's restaurant between that and now the looming um, appearance of all of the women in Rupert's orbit showing up mm-hmm. at Rebecca's doorstep at the end of the episode What's another one very, very much left hanging out there yes. that indicates a theory that I think a lot of people have espoused on this podcast and in various group chats about what we think Rupert's come up and ends up being. Yeah. Rupert is mega fucked. Imagine him getting that text. <laughs> hey, your current wife and your mistress just showed up at your ex-wife's house. Probably not good for you, pal. Probably not great. Not great, Bob. <laughs> That's Rupert's nightmare blunt rotation right there. <laughs> big uh, big weekend in television shows for mistresses at big occasion for anyone who watched Succession's last episode. Dang. Actually, great. That is a great point. Also, the second to last episode. And we're yeah. just getting everyone together. It's um, it's like that moment in Avengers Endgame where like all everyone, everyone shows up. <laughs> <laughs> but it's all the mistresses. Oh. Just, just stepping out of portals, like various points in Rupert's life. He's like, yeah. no, no. And all the mistresses in succession came to tap dance on Logan's grave there. And all of these mistresses are coming to send Rupert to his baby. Let's go. <laughs> I mean, he's... <laughs> He's mega fucked. I mean, villain of the <laughs> villain of the show. They they will not let the season leave without him getting comeuppance. We saw actually this episode, though. We saw one of the shows, not a primary villain, but someone who has been a bad person and and treated one of our own poorly. This I, I think I'm stepping on multiple categories, but. Jamie's dad, the the glimpse of him, like that's one of the big takeaways of like one, like you can always, there's always hope, like you can always work on yourself and I'm sure he's got a long way to go, but that look, just the wordless acting was incredible because a second before with his, his buddies toasting him, including I think Boog, Boog. cause he eats Boogs, uh, them toasting I him. I, I was like, oh, that motherfucker's dead. And then, nope, he's <laughs> looking like a proud dad in rehab with a nice haircut. And an incredible, incredible moment. I think on that note, let's dive into best scene. Uh, this one, I think I texted this to the group. This episode had like eight different endings that could have been the the emotional whopper of any of the, of a lot of other episodes. Alex, what was what was the best? best of these scenes i i go to the person who did not have time to rewatch of course thank like, you no, i really <laughs> put it on, on your just, shoulders i'm giving you the first pick i mean yeah. i i loved the nate and beard scene um and brendan hunt by the way mike he's doing a one-man show in la like in june there are like four different dates tickets are 15 bucks you totally need to go, Mike, go. he's oh. your good friend yes we'll it's, it's called it's called five years in amsterdam so it's about like his time in amsterdam yeah we should all go Let's all go. Actually, anyway, he actually is doing it also in Amsterdam. Maybe we should go to that one. Let's go. Yeah, to that one. Some, we'll Let's... get a loaf of mess. <laughs> just like Les Mis. <laughs> and I, I already know people are going to say, oh, this is another example of like bad storytelling that they would choose to the next last episode to drop his backstory. But that's absolutely how it had to happen. Because yeah. if we had known it from the beginning or even at the end of season one or season two, it totally changes the dynamic. It changes the way you look at them because at no point in their relationship did we ever see it as a situation where maybe Ted had ever done him a favor. Yeah. It was like very equal in respect and it, it was what it was supposed to be. And so I just thought it was beautifully done. 
and the tear and everything. It was it was really great. I loved it. Yeah, it was incredible, especially the, yeah, like Les Mis. <laughs> the the not breaking. Yeah, the not breaking tone. Yes, our story is a lot like Les Mis. It's just is perfection. But learning that about Beard and about Ted and about how they started and like Mike, I know I'm sure you did. I know I have. You have teammates that go off the rails when you're done. Like I've I've had teammates do time. I have one. I have one of our patrons of the show knows exactly who I'm talking about. We've had a teammate do some significant time. And it's that thing of you bond at a certain time and you still see, and it's, it's one of the qualities of Ted that is, you know, makes Ted who he is and make who he has been to Jamie and to beard is someone who will give a second chance and who will always see the good in someone. And, you know, pulls, pulls it on beard, kind of gives beard the subtle reminder and beard now passes that on to Nate and that it was, it was a perfect moment I, in a, again, in an episode that had a bunch of incredible moments, it's hard to beat that one, both for its impact at the time and just what it means about our characters and what it means about the show. Mike, is there a scene that competes with the beard showing up at, at Nate's apartment, like a fucking ghost? Uh, I, I mean, every, every interaction between Jamie and his mom, like I was just sitting there in a puddle of tears during that entire scene. It was, it, she, she was perfect. At that point, like you said, the the Jamie at the beginning, they sort of turned into the clown. And then once we got through that walk where Keely was trailing way too close the yeah. entire time. Her shoes are making a shit ton of noise. Like, like I know for we, sure. I know we had the music playing in our headphones. They did not. So bad following mechanisms by Keely, but <laughs> Once they, you know, had the meet up there where Jamie turns and says, follow me. And then we saw him click into and address what the problem was going back home, getting to be around there, like all of that. And again, in an episode that was really about, you know, we talked about fathers and sons. This was an episode about mothers and sons yeah. having to deal with the damage that fathers did and the different ways they approached this where. Ted was blunt force trauma at the end of this episode because it had built up for so long. And Jamie back home, went back home and got to be a kid again. He's had to be this tower of what he believes masculinity to be since he left the nest dealing with his dad's shit. And he went back home and he was able to sort of crumple into a ball and be a kid again for a little bit. And his mom dusted him off, gave him exactly what he needed to hear, and then sent him back to, as you said, his kind of cool new parents who one of them wanted to hit on his old mom and all that stuff. But <laughs> I, I just thought that whole part was gold. It is honestly one of my favorite moments of the season, this episode, yes. the last three quarters of it, I would argue were perfect. And, and I think that scene was a big reason why. Mike, will you commit to going as the Roy poster for Halloween? <laughs> oh, man, I got to write that down. Dibs. The reveal, by the way, of the Keeley poster right next to it so, when he opened so the door. Perfect. So See, it's, it's a thruple. These are the people he has dreamt of his whole life. Dated one of them. No surprises there. Um, I'm with you, Mike. I, I wrote down again. I love the sexy little baby comment, but like the what she was saying around that was you're not lost. You're just not sure which direction you're going yet. It's just like such great mom wisdom. She she was giving all of that. And I loved, again, the awkwardness of like they were too touchy feely because he was acting like he was like a five year old, just like snuggling into his mom. And she doesn't look very much older than him. So it's just, it's just like a lot going on in those scenes. Um, I, so I think 
you know, you could certainly make a case for those scenes collectively. I, I do agree with the beard Nate thing because the whole show is the whole series is about forgiveness and getting beards backstory, which we've never had. Also, I think some people feel that way about Ted and his mom, like really actually getting at the core of what has made Ted the way he is, why he has panic attacks while, why he masks all of his pain with jokes and bad jokes and stories and stuff. Um, but for me, I loved when Ted was talking to Jamie when he was injured before he went back in the game and yeah. he's imparting all of these very like Ted isms to him in a setting that like, yeah, it's like rah, rah. And he's trying to inspire him to get back, but he's, he's basically just telling him, you know, if, if playing to prove your dad wrong, doesn't motivate you figure something else out. And you could just see like the, the light switch get switched and Jamie that's, you know, he immediately comes back and he's, he's feeding off the crowd. He's, he's telling them to like, you know, egg him on and be mad at him. Like that whole sequence from, from him being on the sidelines, Ted not pulling him out to the crowd cheering for him. Like one of my favorite things that this season has done has had the player return to a place that they played and like, it meant something good or bad to them. And like, I love that dynamic and that getting that and just kind of like the continuation of all of that arc that he scores a goal that he doesn't pass on, like all of that was just really perfect too. So, so for me, that was one of the lasting kind of sequences too. I thought this was the most sports movie-ish game that we've had on that we've had on the show yet. This felt like the the climax of a sports movie. Like it was it was awesome. The Van Dam stopping absolutely everything. All right, well that's mine. Gosh, come on. <laughs> Go for it, Caroline. No, I just would say the sports ball was I the really sports. liked the actual soccer this time. We missed some of that. I my only complaint was like I'd like to see Jamie's goal because he like those are always fun for me, but um I, again, the I, goal I thought it saving was play though was sick. Awesome. And that's the, that's what I mean. Like why first, this is third behind the scenes that you guys have now talked about. So beard and Nate and Jamie and his mom, I think are up here. And then the, for me, it's this, the sports scene is so great because it's, there's all the other stuff going on too. Right. So you have Nate absolutely obsessed with watching it while he's at his other, like at his waiter waiting job. Um, but he, it's showing that he's, he'll he's seeing all the stuff too. Like he's Colin's open. Like he's seeing the plays develop. He's, he knows what they're working with. Um, and it's Van Dam going off. And again, I just really liked the way that they did the game flow, that it was an early goal, a lot of chances from Man City. And then the, the, um, insurance goal late from Jamie, I thought was like the perfect way to play that. And then you have him saving the goal, which there's so many pieces that, in itself illustrate how far Jamie has come, whether it's like putting himself in the line, telling the team to go ahead without him. Like Isaac was checking on him. He's like, no, no, get out of here. Like I got this, like to trying to give it a go, falling down, figuring out what was going on, coming back in. It was just, I loved it. And it showed the trust that Jamie and or that Ted and the coaches have when they played man down for a few minutes to figure it out. I really enjoyed Roy being like, ah, play hurt. I played hurt and beard going, you can't even walk up the stairs. Like, <laughs> that's not a good idea. So I just really thought it was probably the best, like, well, it's the longest like soccer scene that we've gotten. I think probably since the montage earlier in the season, it was yeah. the best on screen sports. The series has had. Yeah. 
Like was really I feel good. pretty comfortable in saying it was the most realistic and like well shot and well used sports action the yeah. series has had. And it added in too, like, you know, we talked about it briefly about like the way that his relationships have improved with his teammates, specifically Sam. Sam was elated to see him come back on the field. Like that's the stuff that like, it's all of it encapsulated like in that one moment. So I thought it was really well done. I mean, Van Dam was given a vote of confidence by Jamie in the locker room when everyone else was dumping on his mask. Jamie <laughs> loved him up even in a moment of weird weakness. And then dude went out there and balled. So I'm willing to give Jamie the hockey assist on that performance. Uh, can I just get, so I know that that was oh, like a caricature of himself, but I would like to highlight I actually laughed out loud as when the fans wanted to take a selfie with Jamie and then he and turned he around the, the camera picture to take a photo of just the It's <laughs> <laughs> one of the funniest things that has happened all season, <laughs> even though he was this caricature of a sad person. Guys, when I first came out to Los Angeles, I went and did the cliche Hollywood hike and I was exa- I was not in the best shape. So coming back down, I'm pretty gassed. It was pretty hot out. And as I'm coming down, this older German couple asked me to take a picture of them. And they're standing in front of the Hollywood sign. Oh, my God. Hoping my- that I take a picture of them oh my God. with the Hollywood sign. And I just take like a normal picture of them oh. with the sign nowhere in sight. And they look at the camera for a second. They hand it back to me. And my friend who's with me, she's like, are you are you okay right now? Like, put the fucking sign in there. They came I'm from Germany. So, I'm so proud of them for like like giving you feedback. Be like, no, do it again. I thought you were gonna say you accidentally you took, took a, a selfie, selfie of yourself too. That's what I was thinking. This really hoping would have been really you're funny. like, okay, get on in here, and they were like. <laughs> Who is this man? What up, squad? <laughs> Big Golden um, Wingo fans, I see. <laughs> how, do you, how do you say Gojo in German? Yeah. <laughs> well, just throw an umlaut in there. Based on succession, <laughs> there's a lot of overlap here. Like the Gojo deal and succession, European. There's just a lot of crossover. <laughs> um, one other thing, just because I don't think we're going to get to it. Are you Jamie Tart? More like Jamie Fart? Sick burn. Uh, those, <laughs> those kids, those kids were, ruled. They were mean. Roy loved them. They were. They were. Uh, we haven't talked about uh, Colin and Isaac and Will visiting Nate at Taste of Athens, where Nate is now working as a waiter. Imagine, like, like I don't know what Joe Missoula is going to be doing next month, but it's not going to be the coach of the Celtics. Like, imagine if Joe Missoula is, is at Red Lobster and he's bringing you those biscuits. Who's that, your that's remember? A... Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> no, I go ahead, Alex. Okay. I was, you know, the thing we talked about last week, I believe, or I can't keep the podcast in the group text right now. I don't know what we've talked about on here and on there, but like Nate established again, like he just enjoys what he does. He enjoyed playing violin. He didn't have to be the best at it. He obviously like never really spent any of his money in the short time he's at West Ham. It wasn't about any of that. He just liked doing it. And here we are again. Like he just likes, he just likes working there. I think it's very sweet, but you are right. It's weird. Yeah, I just I would have liked to have seen and this is more out of I just want to see more and more of these people before I lose them forever. I would have liked to have seen the team do an internal debate over what what, whether or not to bring Nate back, because like the last we see will finds the card. So is the next is the obvious move there? He says, hey, you know, Nate came in and did all this and he's left West Ham and Roy's on board, and and I, I would have liked to have seen how that came to pass. This was an hour and ten minute episode, so I can understand how it, how it didn't get to fit in. But it, it's more out of just a selfish nature of I would I really want to see these people talk more. 
Well, I, I also think fairly important, though, considering the last time that we saw them interacting with Nate, they came out from the locker room and basically tried to stab West Ham to death on the field because they had watched that video at halftime. So it's not like they've had fond feelings all that recently for Nate. And what had they gotten in any meaningful way outside of your right, the card and that probably being the gateway drug for this they hadn't gotten anything else to indicate that Nate was worthy of a second chance at this point they hadn't seen all the stuff we'd seen that was that was exactly my thought all the growth and and we've said on this show that growth was important Nate had to do this on his own and grow on his own but like you know unless they've been spying on him no one knows that they just think he's still the guy who ripped up the sign and then kind of quit his job for reasons unknown um, so I, I, yeah, I, I thought that, I thought that was interesting them showing up. It, it certainly wasn't what I expected. Um, in terms of scenes, we really, we talked about Ted and his mom, but the, they're kind of have at it at the end, uh, her just having her way around the locker room while Ted is deeply uncomfortable was a nice little bit complimenting Trent's hair, which I think we've all done at least once on this show. Uh, I mean, incredible. If we had a, if we had a hair award, I think he's taking it almost every episode, but Alex, what did you think about the, the dynamic between Ted and his mom kind of before they have it out when she does this abrupt surprise trip and kind of embarrassing him in front of his friends? Well, I think it's funny that he gets the most annoyed by the traits that he has from his mother. Right. Whenever she like tells a corny joke or something and he's just like, I can't, you know, it's just typical kid shit and that's all i can say because like you know jack's at that age now we're like okay we can hug in the house but we're not hugging in public so you need to know you know so we're getting there and i think like it's you know what we said earlier about um your parents for whatever reason maybe because you know they love you unconditionally they're the ones who really get a bunch of shit from us and they're the ones that we tend to lash out at more get more frustrated with and so watching that like it's I think as a mom, especially, and not knowing what it will be like to have an adult son one day and just kind of going through all that made me really uncomfortable, but it's very normal. I mean, you see it all the time. It's just that he, there's a lot of stuff he can't see in himself that he actually got from her, or maybe it's the parts of himself that he feels are performative and he doesn't like seeing it in her. And that's kind of what leads to that scene, you know, where he's like, we just kind of pretended nothing happened. So yeah, it was amusing. Loved his mom though. Becky and Baker. She needs to be in more stuff. When she tells Rebecca that Ted got out of the womb and asked the doctor if he needed anything, and Ted shows immediate annoyance to that, whereas that is an that is a thing that Ted would absolutely say. That was like, absolutely. oh, he's deeply uncomfortable with, with this. Deeply, <laughs> baby, deeply. baby wouldn't know how to speak or understand the concept of empathy. <laughs> yeah, was that dying. was that was so good. And then finding out that his mother loves tea was yes. also because. It's the, you mirror things and then you do the opposite, right? Like that's what parents are. And that was perfect as well. Just like kind of slipped in there. You know how I love my tea. (laughs) And May, May has, May has been like a, like under the radar star this season, like just handing out gold nuggets of brilliance. And so she added the thing. And I I actually thought it was really, as someone who spent, like I just did a trip to and from Alabama with my mother driving, which was super fun. We had a great time. Um, but the idea of like, it's the, you know, your parents take what they had and they add a little bit or take away a little, whatever it is, whatever those adjustments are that they're making, it's the same. And it's, and it was just, I thought such a 
interesting, beautiful way to describe the relationship between parents and, and children, where it's like, you take what you had given to you and you make those adjustments for your kids, which obviously is obvious. Like, I get that. Like, it's, it's parenting, like you teach them things, but um, she said it way better than I did. Um, I love that. And I loved every, as I have for everything else this season, every single second, Danny Rojas was on the screen. The, oh, mama, you know, mama lasso like any officer <laughs> kebabs like it's just the cutest thing in the world i'm obsessed with him i love him so much love i him. mean prime prime spinoff candidate and i will say this <sighs> episode bolstered my theory even more that may is like a 600 year old time traveler who has just been journeying throughout <laughs> i the universe, was dropping- thinking of you when she did it again <laughs> and the theory that like there's also another theory that like this is all kind of like in ted's head and like he's just kind of gonna like Gosh. wake up at the end. Oh please, God, Don't. no! I hope no. not. I'm I'm saying, but no. like May being like a 600 year old like witch who like just drops wisdom would also fit in with that. But I'd rather have Ted and Rebecca get together than have Ted wake up from a dream. I don't like, want I don't either of those like Wizard of Oz style. <laughs> I, you know what? If if May is a 600 year old witch, then I want desperately for Jade to be in her coven because her disappearing acts every time they <laughs> so tried to good. As her, as her as so his girlfriend, good. she would make a perfect addition to that yeah. group of ancient wisdom dealers. Can I can I make a Jane point real quick? Because a lot I still see a lot of criticism of people saying like she has no personality. Oh, sorry, Jade, Jade, no personality. We haven't learned anything about her. And like these are the people who who have not, you know, bought into Nate's arc this season. And I just, I feel like she's a really strong character. I feel like she's someone who is so grounded and she helps Nate see the best in himself. She pushes him when he needs to be pushed. Um, And the whole point is that she's fairly nondescript, that he didn't need, you know, a supermodel. He didn't need someone with some, you know, fancy sounding job and whatever. Like, it's just someone he feels comfortable with and who loves him. And I loved when she was just like eating the chicken uh, drumstick, like while while the beard and Nate moment was happening. But I, I just don't understand the criticism that like we've learned nothing about her. And she's just like, it's just to I don't even know, just to make Nate seem more like likable that someone likes him. I, I feel like she's been a really good addition to the mix and like really good at mirroring things in Nate that they want to emphasize to us. It's the well, first plus- time Nate has had a soundboard too. He's had yeah. someone we it's the first time we've seen him have a conversation with someone that he's not deeply trying to impress. Like him yeah. and Jade now seem on the level and he can talk to her. I mean, he can tell her that he's typing out a 60 page apology letter. That's not something you tell to someone you're trying to impress. When he stopped trying to impress her is when she's got to see the real him. And people, because there's people who say stuff like, oh, she hates him. And then all of a sudden she's into him. And I was like, again, this all happened in front of us. We saw it. We saw it happen. Like, what i don't think she hated him she was just like okay who is this person like why are they trying so hard like and she's you know not sullen sullen's too mean of a word for her but um but when he was like she saw his genuine excitement for the for the baklava and was like that's what first was like okay all right i see what what this guy's doing he dropped his guard and like the guard was up the whole time around so many interactions and yeah i think it does make sense that like she would say yes to go on a date with him after that incident. Cause you yeah. Know, after- and then they sat and chatted for, some, for a, like, while. a while. He had like at yeah. least a full glass of wine. Like, yeah. 
Yeah, I I don't I don't understand. I'm that not here for Jade slander or or the it. Nate arc either. I I really think like he was never he's never like Rupert evil, and he made bad decisions. He treated people poorly. He was so deeply insecure and and yep. thought that this title and success would make him happy, and it didn't. But the idea that like he can't be redeemed and be welcomed back to Richmond, I don't understand that. Like yeah. he, this whole show and series is about forgiveness and his act was one that was rooted in insecurity and, and, and he is working himself through that. So I don't, I don't think any of this has really been forced. I actually think they've been pretty methodical about how they've, how they've done it. And what I think is interesting is like, we forgave Jamie very quickly. Like yes. he, he yes. was back on the team before he earned any redemption. He yeah. was back on the team and they had to have faith that Ted wasn't making the wrong call. And now we love him and he's great and he, whatever. And I realized like Jamie never did anything as drastic, you know, symbolically as like what Nate did with the sign and leaving and everything. But Jamie was an asshole. Yeah. And we were like, and then all it took was him being back and like, oh, Jamie. Like, come on. I mean, I, I just don't, I don't understand it. Well, Alex, that's actually like a really good and now seeing the parallels between how much easier forgiveness is once you've seen the ball go through the basket once, mm-hmm. like for the team to forgive Nate after they already let Jamie back in and went through all the consternation surrounding that the same way Ted forgiving Beard after multiple slights against him and now doing so with Nate after something comparatively lesser than stealing your car after you've basically helped your friend coming out of prison. Like it is the whole show is like, in addition to forgiveness, there's a lot of learning that goes on in the show. Like for the most part, everything that happened is earned by experience at multiple points. You mentioned Jamie on the pitch in this game. It is everything Jamie has been taught on screen about soccer during the course of this show. So it does all add up. And Alex, I think that's a good point about what they went through with Jamie kind of informing how they're going to deal with Nate. I mean, everyone on this show who has come in contact with Ted Lasso has become better for it, except for Rupert, who is and forever will be a piece of shit. Um, And that starts all the way with Beard. On that Jamie subject, before we go to ad break, I need to eat some season two crow. Because uh, producer patron Zach Rich has been has been listening to all our old recaps of uh, why and and in preparation for the series finale. Those should self destruct after like two weeks, right? And in season two, episode six, I said, "quote Roy hates Jamie. They will not be friends." Another quote: "They will not hang out." Which Zach then. Right below it, put the picture of them together on Uncle's Day. <laughs> I would like to say I was wrong. <laughs> I and I I think I was thinking about it. I think in context, I, I was saying like, you know, they've reached a point of mutual respect. Roy can now coach Jamie. I believe season two, episode six was the signal. And I was saying, but they will never be friends. They certainly won't ride bikes around Amsterdam or. Uh, <laughs> if I had secrets. to guess some things. <laughs> yeah. So what did he whisper? What did he whisper? Big, big, big lost in translation energy with that, with that whisper. I would like to know, uh, but we are going to take a quick ad break and then we'll get back with our categories. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. 
Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, so we're back after a very short ad break. Uh, the Laughing Liam Award and Best One-Liner are joking this one. Actually had a lot of nominees. A lot of, lot of options here. Caroline, what was the funniest moment of this episode? This might not be the funniest, but it was something I laughed really hard at. Was Colin at the end of the movie going, that was Dave Chappelle. <laughs> I have that written down as well. I don't know why that made me laugh so hard. And the other was Jamie's reaction when Keely tried to cheer him up or like talk to him. And she's like, I know people are talking shit about your hair online. And he was like, what (laughs) that delivery was priceless those are probably my two favorites from this one (laughs) nicole um mine was the learning that fat bottom girls was supposed to be the anthem for richmond and when keely asked if people were offended and higgins says the flat bottom girls (laughs) (laughs) flat bottom girls did not like it (laughs) But it was just, it was so obvious that the joke was going there, but Higgins just like he is him so and bad. Danny Rojas have the most like laughs per minute of scream time for yeah. me this season. So that was hilarious. And then when they did play fat bottom girls later in the episode, <laughs> like it was just a nice little, just a nice little minor plot. Mike. Uh, I gave away the goose before. I guess it's not technically a line, but the reveal of the Keeley poster next to the Roy poster in Jamie's yes. childhood room. And when Keeley delivers a very Roy like, fuck. <laughs> Alex? Um, I'm probably going to misquote it because I don't have notes. But when Rebecca's talking about the private jet and getting rid of it, and Higgins <laughs> says, the fucking environment. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, he's had an amazing season such a good season such a everything good season. he says is gold well and speaking of danny rojas when he turns around when keely and roy are sitting next to each other watching the movie and he turns around and goes hello ryan keely <laughs> well <laughs> i think he's i think that cristo fernandez has been on the record by saying that's his favorite couple like yes that he yeah yeah that and yeah 100 like percent. and uh, he everything that, that Everything Simon did when he was like, it's a Paul Hollywood recipe. I just tweaked it a little bit, whatever. I, I just appreciate him. Let's just, it's like a Simon appreciation moment because he is the complete opposite of everything Jamie's dad is and seemingly like such a good balance for his mom, where he's just kind of like put together, you know, homemaker baking Paul Hollywood recipes, <laughs> like doing all these things. He's just like, Oh, Hey guys, how was it going? Like, I just, <laughs> I absolutely loved him. He was fantastic. 
I said last week I had a little more Higgins in me than I cared to admit, and um, I will be saying that again in that I, I felt very seen with, with Simon and his general demeanor in, in certain ways of his life. Um, also, Efron on three, and then they all did it. And that was it's great for all the rom-communists out there. And also referring to their game as a meet-cute with Man City the next yes. day from Ted. Also good. Just perfect. I was yeah. Also, can I just bring up a little Efron factoid for the episode? Yes. So um, both You've Got Mail and Sleepless in Seattle have different versions of Somewhere Over the Rainbow in it. You've Got Mail is Ray Charles and Sleepless in Seattle is Henry Nielsen. Kansas, oh. Wizard of Oz. Um, and a fun fact, they have the same actors in <laughs> That <movies>. is true, <laughs> Nicole. What? <laughs> Fun fact: We've done one of those movies on this very podcast. Um, Wait, can we can we do it? Can we do a quick vote of um, Sleepless in Seattle versus You've Got Mail? I'm a Sleepless in Seattle. Sleepless in Seattle. Yeah, three. I'm You've Got Mail. Guys, want to know a secret? I have seen seen either of those movies. Oh my gosh! My shocking. That is surprising. I think because I was still so shocked from when we just did You've Got Mail and forgetting how long Tom Hanks knows who she is. It is completely like, I'm still a little shook about that, guys. (laughs) He he, knew you were a shop girl. Yeah, like, relax, Tom Hanks. This is shady now. This is manipulative now. Was shop girl was pretty obvious. Like he (laughs) can figure that one out. But it's great um, context clues, my by the way. I got totally, totally with him on that one. (laughs) (laughs) Well, sleepless in Seattle is still on the table for for next year's rom com month. Oh wait, okay, I forgot my other one moment where I laughed really, really hard. Ted was picking up his mom's suitcase, and she goes, "Not on the bed." (laughs) He like he like taps it. I liked uh, Roy <laughs> calling for the the new the new reporter at the Independent, and he just calls him uh, Better Trent. Yes. <laughs> I and did again, also like little when Jamie touch asked of Roy to have the goal doing... stricken, the goal stricken from the record, where he's like, "Please, it's it's yeah, a lie. That, it's a that fraud of a goal. That doesn't count. <laughs> take, it, take it off the record. <laughs> take it off the record." So who is the funniest character in this episode? It's tough because everything is very spread out. Like the, yeah. all the lines that we just listed, that was like six or seven different people. I, I think it's Higgins for me. He also had a great line about how he believes in second chances because that's why he's still married and still has living children. Mm-hmm. So he was just really consistent throughout. I haven't, I haven't done all your guys' pods, but like, I, I don't think I would have picked him for any other episode, even the ones that you guys like love different moments or all the tea was spilled on him. Um, so I would give it to him. He cracked me up every single time he was on the screen. He also had the moment where he didn't want to move. He wasn't going to celebrate until the final whistle. Yes, so he yes. was just staying. staying the physical still. comedy in this episode was yeah. very good. Yeah. Yes. Are, are you guys are you guys superstitious with your favorite teams? I guess quick, quick roundhouse poll here, Caroline. Yes. You mean in real life? Yes. Yeah. No, I'm really I not. Am. I once sat on a toilet for two quarters in my parents' house during a Notre Dame game as an eighth grader. So yeah. <laughs> I once went back into a bathroom when Virginia baseball scored in the super regional. When I ran to the bathroom, I went back into the bathroom and they won the game. 
of of the people on this pudding uh, of the people on the show those are the two who a hundred percent we're gonna say that they are (laughs) that's true i'm too anxious to be superstitious i like to pace and you can't work a superstition into a pace i just want to pace and be i i disagree I disagree with that. I pace, I stand, I, I do. It's not necessarily for me. It's not always like I will. There are some things I won't wear anymore. I'm sorry. I know that's stupid. I know it's dumb. I know it. Like, I know that's absurd, but doesn't matter. Um, I would always like carefully pick which new sneakers I wore to a game based on whether or not I could handle if the team lost while I was wearing them. Cause then yep. I would probably mm-hmm. take them out of rotation. Mm-hmm. Normal stuff, folks. Very, very normal stuff. Very normal. Very normal stuff. It's so weird because um, I was never like superstitious as a player. Like I had very little dedicated routine that I had to have. It just so happened I puked before every game, but that wasn't like a thing I <laughs> wanted or needed to do. It just happened. What did a, you what about win the, the pee, game the in which pants? you wet yourself? <laughs> uh, yes, we did win that game. We beat the absolute piss out of Wake Forest that game. Yeah. I see what you did there. Also, <laughs> did that make you want to then try to, pee in your pants the next time no because i always was kind of fighting it like i didn't think it was a thing until i went back to notre dame uh last month to help co-host their student athlete awards back there and before i was getting ready to go out and host i was sitting back back there with brandon for my podcast who was there with me and i was like damn i kind of have to pee again like i had just gone to the bathroom <laughs> but something about getting out there to perform just loads a little bit more up in the chamber i love that the two of us are the most superstitious our teams are playing each other in a very important game <laughs> yeah i am totally fine by the way because <laughs> i'm doing the thing i was like so hard to beat a team the third time around like there's no stats that actually back that up <laughs> yeah nothing bad's ever happened to Notre Dame lacrosse in the postseason nicole save us <laughs> We're doing great, guys. We're doing great. This is when we should come back to the main topic of the podcast. <laughs> Superstitions. <laughs> Need to just hire Nicole. Even if like we're doing a movie she hasn't seen, she can just kind of check in and just it's she's not even producing the show. She's just like, all right, guys. All right. Time to come back. Guys, is this still back. about national treasure? Yeah, I'll just <laughs> I'll just like set alarms for like every 15 minutes when you guys are doing one of these and just check in. Does it sound hey, like guys. it's on topic? Nope. Really, really needed her for when me and Caroline were talking about breakfast buffets that one time. Yes. <laughs> um, what was okay? So, what was the best Ted moment of this episode, Alex? I was talking to his mom. I mean, when he like that's the thing is he was honest and angry, and the thing that broke him was Henry because of course, right? And I don't know. I mean, I. Obviously, I love his little inspirational speeches and all of that, but I think kind of seeing him crack open as the character is always going to affect me more than anything. But that just, I don't know what it was about that. There was just something about him saying, I'm so, I'm scared to get close to him that really upset me. I really wish he hadn't done that to me personally. But was that the final? um, Think about um, the journey we've gone on with Ted. There have been periodically these emotional breakthroughs. Think him and Dr. Sharon before Rebecca's dad's funeral. A um, cu- couple other times where Ted has these these moments of realizations or these breakthroughs where he's open and he's honest and he's not being the person who's who's trying to get something out of someone or help someone. Is that 
was that like our final, was that our final crowning achievement with Ted? Like this is the the final breakthrough he needed to have. Is, is this all we're getting? Well, I don't Shouldn't think that's life. I mean, I, you know, it's like, you don't do like six weeks of therapy and you're cured. I think he's going to continue having moments, especially as a dad, he's going to continue having those moments and the choices he makes. And all we can do is do our best. But as far as like the show, I'm sure they'll do like another, another little thing. It's like, Oh, I get it now or something in the finale. But um, yeah, I don't know. I thought they've done a really good job with that character. And I know a lot of people have said that he hasn't been around very much. They haven't had him in the show, but I, I think that was the point is they were winding this down and it was kind of showing how the world was going to go on without him in Richmond and in a negative way in Kansas. And he wants to get back. Best teams are led by the locker room. Like it's, it's all kind of happened for him. It is interesting. Like Alex, you bring that up too. And it, it would probably be that scene. Although I, I didn't like the delivery of the oscillating between thank you and F you that felt a little more harsh. Mm -hmm. It felt a little more like that felt out of character for Ted. It was one of the, yeah. and I get the whole point of that conversation was it was supposed to be out of character, but it was just a little too seesaw. And I think it didn't take away from the moment, but I didn't think it let the full moment of Ted's admitting that I'm scared about this relationship with my son because of how my relationship with my dad went, because I'm scared that he might leave like that to me needed a softer takeoff to get to what was the big moment and not this like, Oh, I'm going to combat my mom in this kind of seesawed way here. That one, I know, I know we do things that didn't work, but that would be, that would be mine probably for this episode. I, I agree. Cause I think after the first like F you, you just talk at right. that point, yeah. like it, it, it's not this performative exchange at that point. Um, I, to me, the, the Ted moment is, like I said earlier, one of my favorite moments was, you know, him interacting with Jamie and, and kind of helping him let go of all of the anger and the, I need to prove myself to my dad, um, that whole moment. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I think I, I agree completely, Mike, and I, I hadn't thought about it that way, but that's kind of why that scene is not like my number one scene from this episode because it was just a little bit too forced. I'm going to slightly disagree. I do think in real life after the first one, you would have a conversation, but it was the, if you notice, it was the flip reverse of the way of the order in which Jamie said them, because Jamie said like, what he's like, what would you say to your dad? If he was here and he said, I'd say, fuck you for blah, blah, blah. And then he said, is there anything else that you'd want to say to him? And he said, I'd like to thank, I'd say, thank you. Blah, 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 blah. Oh, so wow. I'd it was the flip. And so, and it perfectly, I thought matched their personalities because Jamie has always been the first, like the feelings and the anger and the being a dick or whatever else. And so Ted flipped it in the, he's always forgiven people. And what he needed to do was to do the fuck you side of it because he's never done that side of it, which is what led to all of his like issues that then kind of torpedoed his marriage right because what we figured out after finding out more about his relationship with michelle is that she wanted more out of him that wasn't hunky-dory happy matching his energy constantly having to be at a certain level and so i think that's why i liked again i agree that after the first one they'd be like okay that's a lot of f-bombs at your mom but i liked that balance of reversing what he needed to get out of what he needed to express was that angry side or Dude. Did you did there. you guys believe that 
she would have made this trip and like this whole orchestrated thing and whatnot for however many days to just say that Henry like was sad and missed him. Like I felt like there was actually going to be more of a reveal from her about like the, the origin of the trip. I think it was more, I, it seemed like a light reason, but I think it was also like checking in on Ted, like do you like from the home front as grandma, like your son misses you. Like what is the plan type thing? I don't know. I didn't, I think the thing that stood out to me more was that she didn't tell him she was coming. The surprise trip is where I was like, what? That was the weirdest thing to me. But. Maybe she actually did come with the Australians. It was just a cover. <laughs> <laughs> she just got tired. Interesting, interesting word choice. She, she denied it too hard, too forcefully. She did. That was too hard. <laughs> I, I think it's also like, I think clearly we look at this relationship and it's two people who have had trouble being very open with each other. And there's a difference between like general openness. Like, I don't think they share, you know, they're clearly like they don't share secrets or they they're like, nothing is taboo in front of the other, except for talking about feelings and, and actually getting personal. And this might be something that she felt like she had to do. Didn't feel like she could do it over the phone. Maybe like Caroline said, wanted to just come and check up on Ted. And then like, it kind of comes out at the end. If Ted hadn't had this blow up, it wouldn't have happened. If she hadn't been pushed into a corner of why she really came, she wouldn't have actually gotten it out there. So it seems like expressing feelings is something that was very difficult for them as mother and son. So um, the, a Ted moment that I, I don't want to gloss over is when they're him and Beard are watching the Nate video and, and he is telling Beard without, Cause he could have easily said, Hey coach, you know, I gave you a second chance and look at this, look at us now. And instead of like, you know, look at Nate and his lowest moment. And you know, you know, we all know what, what giving second chances can do for someone. He did. He's it's uh, slightly heavy handed, but he's just telling beard like, Hey, you need to take a step back and look to, to look at forgiveness for, for this man, because everyone has been down at one point. And so I love, I love that moment. I love Ted just being like kind of chuffed watching Nate just struggling, struggling under that desk, which is just, just when he's climbing out the window, it fucking kills me. <laughs> that was, that was honestly the most comfortable Ted probably was in the episode too. Like you could argue with the coaching also, like we've definitely seen him gradually get more comfortable with himself interacting in the match. Like, Pep going and making the changes and substitutions there and that kind of back and forth. There was definitely that, but that was one of the few moments during the episode, that interaction with him and Beard, where Ted was in the dynamic we're used to seeing where he's getting to help someone else and he's not deeply uncomfortable with his mom there having to worry about that. So there was there was a bit of levity to that too that wasn't even Nate related. Yeah. Uh, the Rupert Award. We're the villain of this episode. So this is an episode that noticeably does not feature Rupert, except in inferring when uh, when Bex and, and his ex-assistant show up. Uh, it doesn't feature Jack. Doesn't feature Zava. Features Jamie's dad not being villainous. Um, what do we think Derek at Taste of Athens is up to? How nefarious is that information? Okay. That Jay is he just he like is... cooking? doing cocaine <laughs> the yeah, little, like putting the mirror into the drawer like, <laughs> i i so i missed that 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 adds up then uh wait you didn't see that no Did i completely missed that? it 
when he called Nate mm-hmm. back into the office, he had like a little like oh yeah mirror and was like putting it away and it had like some white dust on it and he was oh. doing the like yeah oh i yeah. missed that oh, oh yeah. then that that answers yeah. that question then well that's that's yeah. not villainous that's just a guy who likes to, uh the villains likes party. are the heckling children and the people that said mean things about jamie's hair online those are the villains of this week. <laughs> just kidding i loved the heckling kids and i love that roy kent was like good work internet <laughs> trolls yeah. always internet a bullies <laughs> man Got it. Who was the villain in this episode? It's, I, I just... mean, like you couldn't make a case. And I know it's called Mom City and we're talking about how great moms are. But like Ted's mom not supporting him, being there for him after his dad died and him feeling this for all of these years. Not like a real villain, but like that that person created a lot of tension, which is usually how he described the villain when they're not a real villain. Yeah. Well, I would say that's definitely how Ted seemed to view it this episode. Like she was the antagonist for him the entire time. Like, cause uh, you know, again, that was kind of something I, I also wish we had gotten more from Ted's mom. And she sort of said as much, but like, what was she supposed there's no handbook for that how was she supposed to know how to handle it you know she did what most people you know i this is secondhand information i've gotten but most people who i know who have dealt with grief who have dependents they're like i had kids to raise i had to keep trucking on i didn't have a choice like i had people that needed me to be their mom be their dad be their parent and so i didn't get to worry about how i was processing this so I had now you could argue then in Ted's eyes, she dropped the ball on how he processed it. But I don't know. She got him to this point where he was, you know, functioning in a lot of ways and well-meaning and well-acquitted in a lot of ways. And so it's it's a complicated situation. But to your point in this episode, she's the closest thing we have to an antagonist in Ted's life because the rest of it really it kind of doesn't have one. It's um it's also interesting because I know we all like shrinking, which obviously shows you kind of the opposite of like being what people might claim himself like selfish, right? Where he just like kind of retreats into himself and he can't take care of his daughter and other people have to step in. So I, it's just interesting and very honest to have have that. Um, but yeah, I think clearly we're setting up for like a major, major Rupert actual bad guy comeuppance moment, um, which is deserving for a section of the pod that is named after him. He deserves this. <laughs> yeah. All, all roads lead to, to Rupert being screwed. Um, the, on the pitch talking, I think we, we talked the, uh, the actual soccer aspect to, to a certain extent. Um, I mean, it's, it's set up for them to win the whole damn thing. We kind of, this is, this is what we saw coming. Uh, that's, you know, it was a great scene we no no reason to uh to beat a dead horse there Th- things were good uh the i don't think you realize how psychologically healthy that is award also kind of known as the jamie tart award at this point which character yeah. showed the most personal growth in this episode Ooh. Uh... probably ted or jamie yeah i, mean, I was gonna say jamie i think it's yeah. jamie still um i think his his overall arc probably got the most time and was the through line in the episode and it, it finishes it, right? Like we've seen him work through his stuff with his dad. Um, you end up with a place where like he is not going out with the team. He is just kind of laughing with Roy and Keeley 
over something dumb. Um, I, I think that that's, that's probably him. And then like, I, cause I feel like we've seen Nate already get to this point where he's ready to ask for forgiveness and to, to have these conversations. Um, and so he was, he, he got a lot from beard in there in that conversation, but like he had done the growing already. So I think this was like the final evolution of, of Jamie growing. You know who else I'll throw out there? Colin Isaac and the kit man going to be the ones with Nate. I mean, considering that two of those three were the ones helping bully Nate at the beginning of this mm-hmm. entire cycle. And now on the backside, they're the ones coming back, extending the olive branch, you know, will, you know, Nate was impossibly cruel to will, but they've already sort of had their little meetup. But the fact that Isaac was a part of that group that used to be Jamie's minions coming to make Nate's life a living hell, there's something there. Two thirds, two thirds of that group bullied Nate. And then when the power dynamic shifted, Nate bullied two thirds of that group because he was brutal to yeah. Colin. Yes. He's yeah. basically why Colin ended up talking to Dr. Sharon and said he's a strong and capable man and not a piece of shit. Oh, um, what about what about Beard? He didn't want to go talk to Nate. He did not want to rip that bandaid off. Yeah. He went axe throwing to throw axes at photos of Nate. And I think that's true. A lot. <laughs> 17, 17 axes. axes. 17 axes. <laughs> All my axes live in Richmond. <laughs> we did not mention that uh, Beard telling Ted's mom that his heart got ripped out of his chest and drug onto the streets for everyone to see. And he's like, no, I'm in love. <laughs> <laughs> well, and he had like a whole song for, for Dottie too. <laughs> I so love their relationship. <laughs> weirdo, Beardo. Weirdo Beardo. <laughs> she had that like group hug with like with Trent and Higgins and Beard it was great. Just like no notes. <laughs> I I saw myself in Mama Lasso when she was like, nah, bring it in here. Friends don't shake hands. Like <laughs> I have said that to multiple people. Oh like, yeah. The last weeks. <laughs> so a few of you guys are real journalists. If you're Trent, how do you handle the stories that Mama Lasso is telling you? Do those make it to the book? No. In like a fun, loose way. Like, it, yeah. you know, like you don't report them as fact, obviously, but I think it's it's good anecdote, anecdotal stuff to have in there. I don't, I don't think that they make it in, except like the versions that Ted corrected and said, yeah. no, this actually happened here. Um, With the one where, she, where he has to say, no, that was Courtney Cox. <laughs> was also very funny. <laughs> that, was, that was a really funny one. I forgot about that. <laughs> The way that he just straight up answered it as the like, no, that was that was Courtney Cox. <laughs> Loved it. Oh, oh good. Man. Uh, the food poisoning award for uh, which part of this episode gave you the most anxiety? I will say mostly due to outside influences who are having a bad night. Uh, Ted and Rebecca at the end of this episode, I just had in the, uh, in the back of my mind when they're having this moment, I was just like, don't do it show. And nothing about how the show has set this up would have suggested that they did the thing that they were going to do the thing. But because of those outside influences in the back of my mind, I was just like, don't fucking do it. And instead it it turns into an obvious, like Rebecca doesn't have anything to say. We know what Ted's going to tell her. No problems there. But I, there was no parts of this episode made me as uncomfortable as some some previous episodes of this season. Um, I still have my I am Roy Keeley forever. Yeah, I, I need that to be a thing. I still and until the, the clock strikes midnight until this show is 
the season is done and they are together forever, I will, <laughs> I will be a little bit worried, but right now I'm feeling good. We're feeling strong. All, you know, they're holding hands. Roy doesn't just want to want to be just friends. Like I'm, I'm feeling good about that. I'm feeling okay. I'm going to keep that the compliments where he's like, by the way, you look lovely. Also then complimenting Barbara. Love it. Love, love Babs being still around. Um, I think I was the most anxious, not anxious, anxious, but like both times that Jamie really bared his soul, both in the locker room where he broke down and said, he's like the Red Bull commercial with the guy pushing the rock, (laughs) but he lost his wings such a great way to describe that but um and then when he said to his mom like when basically what he was saying his soul was impotent yes <laughs> also a very like while hilarious way to describe it like just that moment all together i just i i truly felt for him i think that was rather than like anxiety or anxiousness i just really like empathized with sympathized, I, empathized i was I worried I that something inappropriate was going to happen with him and his mother briefly. Forgot um, about that. Yeah. <laughs> that was probably <laughs> the most uncomfortable I was during the episode. Um, but Kyle, uh, yes, calling for, uh, the, the, for the portion of the fan base that was convinced that Ted and Rebecca would end up together. I think the whole episode, especially the ending was very nauseating. Just going to say Boardwalk Empire season two, folks. If you know, you know. We don't know. We don't know. No you should two. know. Would, would be a great show for everyone it's to go two, back baby. and watch. Hey, and in and, and this writer's strike, we're going to need the, <laughs> we're going to need to fall back on some old content. Boardwalk Empire first two seasons, maybe first three seasons, give or take. Like, good, good stuff. Uh, Today's episode time, worst time. of Big Screen Sport brought to you by Boardwalk Empire. <laughs> we're at, we're actually, yeah, we're an HBO Max podcast now, or just Max, I guess. Just, just Sorry, straight up Max. Max. Just, just Max. Max. By just the way, Nicole, I'd be remiss. I didn't mention this in funniest moments, but since you brought up the uh, interaction with Jamie and his mom, Roy going back and saying, how about one for the road and trying to hug her again <laughs> and saying we should get a drink was flawless, especially, <laughs> especially the reciprocity of Jamie talking about how fit Roy's sister was. It was perfect. Yes. So. We're all oh. going to be family one day, guys. <laughs> At the end of the episode, when Jamie, when they're, he's in the training room, but there was like a hospital looking, it's, he's on like the, you know, like a bed and there was like a hospital looking instrument near him. I was like, oh my God, he's at the hospital and Roy's sister's going to be treating him. I was so ready to be happy. And then, nope, he's just in the training room. <laughs> yeah, By the that way, that would have been oh, well. great. By the way, uh, the one moment that actually made me uncomfortable in this episode was when um, Jamie's dad's friends toasted to him in the stands because I thought, like you, Kyle, I thought he was dead and I thought Jamie was going to find that out after and not have the chance to make amends and it was going to be a much harder lesson learned than the one that he ended up with. So that was the one where I was like, oh God, he's dead. And now there's going to be that version of more, you know, father-son trauma in this show. Best time, worst time. Who actually had a good time in this episode? For a pretty, like, like fairly upbeat episode, a lot of good things happening, a lot of people going through it. Who actually had a good time? Uh, Rebecca. She got a horse, right? Yeah. She is being a better environmentalist. And the team that she owns is playing for the whole effing thing next week. Yeah. Rebecca had a great time. I think... um... I think Nate, I mean, I got, I guess he got, like, he got fired, but I think Nate had a pretty good time. Like, they want him back. 
he wants to go back. He had his realization. He got forgiven by Beard, which was the biggest hurdle, whether or not he knew it. I think Nate had a pretty good time. I would agree with that. I would say, well, I, I, I would agree. Nate absolutely had a great time. I would also say Jamie's mom had a great time. Like she was talking about how she was beaming with pride and bawling when he took the field for the English team. She got to watch him score the icer against Man City. Like she had a really good episode. She looked good. Yeah. 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 She has yeah. a sexy baby. Um, <laughs> Wait, what color did Jamie describe his hair as to her on the couch? Wasn't it was it chestnut or walnut? It was like walnut mist or something like that. Yeah. And it was just amazing. And she's like, of course it is, baby. <laughs> He's like, it looks natural. I was like, love this. Um, I think the rest of the team had a fantastic time. Big win. Van Dam. There Van, 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 Van Dam. Van Dam. He had a great great time except for getting made fun of with the mask (laughs) he had a great time and he's still terrified of danny which fair (laughs) danny rojas might be a serial killer who had a bad time who had the worst time rupert (laughs) Mm, i mean ted had a pretty rough time like despite the win despite working through it like he did not have fun he was getting more and more agitated every scene do we think Rebecca's private pilot is on a salary or a per flight basis? Because that would depend <laughs> on, on. I think their salary. Time. I'm going to say salary. I think it's just like on demand. So. Yeah, most of those guys, I think, are salaried. It's about to say I'm pretty unfamiliar okay, with thank the you, economics Mike. of having a private I, jet. <laughs> I only know that because I got private jet shamed by some guy in a bus last week, and it was humbling. On a bus. I, was I would ra- like. I, I would need that described for me. Why was he on a bus? <laughs> so it was at. I was at this. Uh, I was at an event last weekend, and I was riding over. It was like busing us to where the event was, and I was late. So it was me and two other guys. One guy told a nightmare travel story about how he had the worst day. The gate agent almost refused to check his bag. Someone made a call, saved the day, that type of stuff. And this, I mean, classic, very stereotypical French, un- like. French condescension that was effortlessly executed. French guy that was the other guy on the bus with us was like, I know it's all these airports are so understaffed. It's so much easier to just fly private. I'm like, yeah, no shit, brother. You want to fund me? I'm looking for a show. I'm looking for a sugar anything at this here. point, man. I don't, I got nothing there. I think that that story stands on its own, but I, I, I would guess that they're salaried. That would make sense. So the private pilot then is doing fine. Uh, actually probably has to work less and is still making the same. So he actually lump lump them in the, uh, in the best time, but yeah, worst time. I think it's Ted. I think, I think Ted has a tough one, but it comes out of it with, with some clarity, which is good. I mean, Jade also didn't have a ton of fun because she found out working with your significant other, not always sweet. Yeah. <laughs> not great. <laughs> Derek lost his uh, seemingly his best employee and um, also has an now he's being blackmailed. Yeah. Yeah. Which is tough. (laughs) Probably not where not where you want to be as a as I did. I did want to learn a little bit more about that situation. Uh, Maybe he'll probably uh, not. We're probably not taken down with Rupert as like Rupert's Mm. drug drug source. And then Nate can also run Taste of Athens. That would be a great. Okay, so that's the thing. If Nate, if Nate becomes Richmond's coach, or like I said, like Nate will eventually be making a good salary again, and he's probably saved almost all of his West Ham money. Nate could buy that place from Derek. Derek's 
I don't care if Taste of Athens is doing very well. Derek is absolutely struggling financially. Like he is, (laughs) he is, that man is bleeding money. I don't like that (laughs) restaurant could be doing gangbusters. And that dude is borrowing money from someone once a week. I a hundred percent. So the only thing in the show I am absolutely sure of is that that Derek has not a fucking dime. He's the uh, he's the uh, English version of the cousin from the bear who's selling drugs out of the restaurant. <laughs> he's English Richie. That if episode I, is, that show's coming back soon. But if I, I had been able to make wait. it through more than two episodes because my anxiety was too high, I had to stop. I watched two episodes and I was like, "I'm out, you guys. I cannot do it." I would tell you to push through, but it just gets more anxious. Yeah. So it's like, (laughs) wait till you get to episode six. It's just crazy anxious. It's like, you are not selling what you think you're selling. What if we combine true detective season one and the bear into one episode? (laughs) Just can't stress. There is literally there's the the finale of true detective season one when they're down in the catacombs. It's like that. But that single shot episode, it literally is the perfect mashup. I that sounds awful it's great though um lenny harris pinch hitter award for best supporting character higgins yeah higgins (laughs) he was a delight he's always a delight i was just gonna say his mom did do like she was great like the actress was awesome like i mean is may like may i was gonna say may i was gonna say she's again pound for pound the strongest fighter on the team Back-to-back episodes going <laughs> Keely and Ted for, like, well-needed sage life advice. So our 600-year-old warrior princess stands alone on the mountaintop. <laughs> she also did the, like, how many beers do you need? And they said three. And she's like, I'm not going to be able to get back to you till halftime. That is just savvy, like, bartending. That's and SEC taking bartending. Care- yeah, nice. and taking care of her best customers who were there, who were there with her through all of the slowed games. They were always there. None of these fair weather folks that popped in after they started winning. That's 600 years of egg bowls. (laughs) (laughs) That's the title of my memoir. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, what if, uh, what if the show ends with May dragging Rupert down to hell? Like the specters at the end of ghost. (laughs) (laughs) I look, I'm just gonna say like if uh i would love to see like a sassy showing up at his funeral in a red dress <laughs> i was j- caroline i wanted to say earlier when we were talking about all the mistresses sewing up sassy's got to be the one to go ahead and serve it however yeah. it goes down <laughs> i want her yes. to be the one holding the gun she deserves it <laughs> to be a beacon of light for all six people at your funeral <laughs> She, oh, she'll be there. She'll be there. We haven't seen her in a while. She'll be there. We haven't. We'll get we'll get sassy next episode. Because Before we get into dead. our next episode stuff, <laughs> the old sassy can't come to the phone right now. Um, <laughs> the big chill. This episode had multiple big chill moments. This one is just like organic. Had nothing to do with the storyline. But Man City fans singing Blue Moon fired me the fuck. That seems Ooh. like a tradition I would love to get a part of, be a part of. It's very cool. I, I what there was. Uh, I'm gonna kick myself. Uh, the you'll never walk alone to end mm-hmm. the first season. Mm-hmm. Oh my god! Like the that's something I I love the English football, like those vibes where it's like teams have a song and like I love that. Um, Speaking of you'll never walk alone, 
I want to say, cause I know it was the Mumford version that they did then like the slowed yes. down one. They, I think was, that was the one that was under the bed when Jamie's mom ended up giving him the best advice. And pretty much every time they slow piano, that song on the show, I cry and spoiler alert. I cried there. So uh, <laughs> I, that would probably be the moment for me. I love that. I cried a lot in this episode, if we're going to be honest. I'm surprising nobody, especially not Nicole. I think it was, it was either for me, like I know we've talked about these scenes a, a lot, but um, I think for, for me to watch Jamie, like, like the load come off him, for him to be lighter, like we've just each week talked about different characters becoming lighter and like working through their, things that have been holding them back and to score the goal, not pass the ball and for the crowd to like give him an ovation getting mm -hmm. off the field. Um, all of that was just very like big chill for me. And then I put the beard and Nate conversation in a totally different category. Cause I think like the groundswell of like, I'm getting emotional in the show, you know, was, was to meet for Jamie on the, the actual soccer uh, pitch. I would say too when they showed Jamie's dad. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's what I was gonna say. Pulls yeah. up the heartstrings. Yeah. yeah. I talked about it with the wordless acting in that moment. Like what, what you can, and I think you kind of infer some of it looking at him, knowing what their relationship has been like, knowing. I mean, just from what we know about the the process of going through rehab, it's not just getting yourself clean and sober. It's like coming face to face with a lot of the, a lot of the the wrongs of your life and having to, to really internalize those and acknowledge those. And so you can imagine what that man has been having to come to grips with and seeing that moment and like seeing that smile was at the same time, like devastating and amazing. Uh, yeah. that, that, that moment, it was, it was just so, and it was like, what a good choice. Cause like, we probably won't see them have a reunion or anything next episode. It seems like something that's going to go unsaid, but they literally could have ended it with yep. the, his dad would have been proud and we just assume he's dead. And instead they have that, that little moment. Um, well, and it, great. it also explained that, you know, he was saying he hasn't heard from him. He hasn't talked to him. His mom hadn't heard from him or talked to him. Um, and so I think that that's also a more rewarding explanation for that and leaves the door open that when he can, you know, he can send that text message instead of going through all of that. And then his dad isn't alive anymore or whatever. Um, but to, to, to wrap that up that way, and that, that would be a reason that he's been out of contact, um, I think was a, was a curveball, And it was, it was one that really like pulled at the heartstrings. Yeah. All right. Questions for the next episode. The last one. Oh. We're staring yeah. down the barrel of the final Ted. episode of Ted Lasso. Ted Lasso. <laughs> How long will it be? That's my question. That's Two hours. Time on that I think baby. it's going to be at least an hour and a half. We got 90 minutes. Gotta, right? I was they got to get a soccer game sure. in there. They got to right. bring the Dutchman back. <laughs> Please. I think Please. What if the Dutchman's a pilot and he's like, because remember the plane thing wasn't oh. there something in his house? He what if he he's like? Right. Of course, Carol. Look at Caroline. Like you would the you private would jet. Maybe, maybe the private jet needs a pilot. That's all I'm saying. Um. Okay. So we're gonna have Ted telling Rebecca that he wants to go home. Mm -hmm. yes. They're going to play the match. Um. Mm -hmm. 
there will be some sort of airport scene, right? Like that's something that was on IMDb that we know there's a scene at the airport, which obviously could include Ted, Henry. I think the entire team is going to be at the airport. Okay. So we could see that. Um, We need the resolution with Rebecca and her love life. Um, Nate and Ted. Nate and Ted. I still think there's something with Sam in the restaurant. I I don't know. I can see that. The last time we saw it, it was like, you know, are they going to survive? Um, I wonder we, if here, Michelle and Henry come back for for the championship, the, the championship weekend. I think they they could. I think there's still resolution there. Do you guys? Do you guys? Are we all assuming they're going to win the? They're going to win. They better. Honestly, yeah. I swear to God, I, I need. I don't win. care if it's cliche. I need it. I want it. Got to have it. I really don't know. Like a lot of me, just based on how this. And again, I understand it was a different season's arc and stuff like that, and you kind of had to earn those. But I was waiting for them to lose the Man City match, and like there to be some sort of lesson still in that. So no. I am, I'm not convinced that they win this. And that to me is definitely like I was going to ask you guys, what is the highest order of importance for things that you want to see resolved? Like, what are you most looking forward to? Because them winning the Premier League would be really cool for me. And I get that, you know, we had the, we're going to come back and win the whole fucking thing line. But the goal of this show, and you even had Pep echo it at the end of this episode, right? Like, it's about helping them be the best versions of themselves on and off the pitch. It's not about the wins or losses. Like, I do think it would be a fitting note in some ways for the series to end on if they did lose. See, I think it's not about the wins and losses, and therefore I think they're going to win. I think they're going to win because there have been other moments, like in season one in the finale there, that we, I thought they were going to win, and they didn't do it. Yeah. Um, I the- think, so I feel like Kyle Kyle wants Roy Keeley. Yes. Like, yes. That's, it, that's your number one. I also um, want Rupert broke, penniless, and in a white-collar <laughs> prison. Okay, all right. That's very specific. Hell yeah. Um, I, I definitely, when that happens, I need Sassy to be there now that we've talked about that. Yeah. Absolutely need that. Um, I, I, I want Sassy back. I, I would like to see Rebecca happy. And I know that there's been points in this season where I didn't love that. Like the only plot for her was about like her love life or in season two, like just about like her love life and her sex life and whatever. But I, I really, I do hope the Dutchman comes back or like it's someone new and like something happens for her where there's that spark in that idea that like she can find someone who deserves her and treats her the way that she should. Um, I I just hope that that is part of it because it feels like everyone else is going to get closure or relationship closure. And I hope that she gets something uplifting there instead of like learning about herself by leaving other men um, and doing things independently. I, I'm excited for the the Nate and and Ted moment. I, yeah. I, I again, I think it was really smart the way that they did it with like the note and then interacting with the players and then Beard and not going to Ted directly and everyone else kind of having to take the lessons they've learned from Ted to their conversations with each other first. So I'm going to be emotional. That's going to be, that's going to be a tough one. Even though we, we already know that Ted has forgiven Nate and he forgave him a while ago. I want to see Colin kiss his damn fellow, which is why they're going to win. Oh, that is why they're, they're going to win. win. And Colin's going to get to kiss this guy after the game. And I love that. Uh, my question or what I think my prediction is Ted's going to say, I'm going back to Kansas. And Rebecca's going to say, I know like no shit. Like we don't. I think she's going to echo us and be like, yeah, we all knew this was coming. This is, you know, and she's not going to, I don't think she's going to be blown away by him saying this in any way whatsoever. 
is the final scene Trent Trent's book and it turns out that the show is the book and like each of the episodes was a chapter ooh I could see it or is the final scene Rupert getting perp walked would also be sick <laughs> the final scene is Keith Morrison <laughs> talking Keith about Morrison. Oh, Rupert the Rupert perp walk is the Kyle's to Ted Becca yeah moment. it really is <laughs> It's real. I'm just fiending for it. Um, Alex, the couple we have not talked about yet, I want your take on is Ted and Beard, the couple oh, that has been yeah. together the longest. I don't know. Like I could, I mean, I could see them ending up back in Kansas, but I kind of feel like Beard's going to do his thing with Jane and stay. I thought you were going to say Ted and Michelle. No. Well, I mean, what's your theory there? Yeah, Ted and yeah, Michelle. Yeah, hold on, go on. I don't really have a theory. Like I think I could go either way i think like it's weird because like i don't necessarily care if they get back together like it's not gonna mean anything to me i'm not gonna be like that's so romantic but i could see it happening or i could see the door being open let's say that um some sort of grand gesture and conversation but i think paris i mean i don't know how we don't have a paris they've got you know, maybe that's where the, the airport scene they're flying to paris i don't well, know Well, there's just so much they could do with it there's so much they could do with the airport scene but um i don't know i just don't think he's done there for some reason i just and i said that in season two i thought it was going to end with them getting together i could be wrong but it's not so much a theory i just want to see ted either get back home or be reunited with henry somehow i think there is a potentially a world in which they do come to richmond if like the i've said it from the beginning like yeah you know that maybe it's not going back home maybe it's yeah regardless home, home is going to be for them those people together them the together yeah. will be back together that is well yeah, and, that is... and michelle is obviously has broken up with that boyfriend oh. yeah by now that was telegraph dr jacob is dr jake is a fucking cheese well, dick. once he got <laughs> fammed on the high five by henry i was like that guy's days are done that done. kid <laughs> thinks he is a knob He's done. I, I've got a way we can neat, we can wrap this. Uh, so Andrew Teagle, great patron of this show, has kind of a, a like a running. It's like a spreadsheet he put together, kind of a Ted Lasso Endgame spreadsheet where people have put in their predictions, um, like kind of how things are going to final finalize. So we can kind of round the house. I will call out on these certain categories. So Richmond manager. Who is the Richmond manager? Is it the first one at the end of the show? Caroline, who is managing Richmond when the show ends? Nate. Uh, or Nicole. Beard. Ugh, I go back. Um, I, I don't. I, I, think it's, I think it's Roy. And I think yeah. Nate's his like associate head coach. Yeah. Could see that Alex? Too. Roy. Yeah. Mike? I go Nate. <laughs> I go... I think it is. I think it is Roy with Nate as his tactician. Uh, I would be fine with that. Where is Ted? I think we all say Kansas. I'm Kansas. Then first with, pa- Paris, then Kansas. With Henry. Yes. Ted is fully committed Henry. to Kansas yet, but with Henry, he's I taking think- the Colorado job. <laughs> <laughs> he's about to go fuck up that portal. Gang. <laughs> <laughs> <Dang. laughs> pieces um, of furniture and hearing alex say it out loud there is part of me that wonders if they all come over there and stay because it would also kind of help 
in a way close the loop on that last bit of the psychics reading for Rebecca. Cause we still have the, you are a family. You're going to be a mother portion of that to contend with, with her. So in some ways, like having the whole Richmond family stay there would to me be like, this is your family. Everyone here is technically under your watch type thing, but. That's the only thing I don't think. I know a lot of people have had that theory. I think she's going to be a, a mother, uh, either a stepmom or there's like an actual maternal figure. And we still haven't seen the Dutch girl yet that they cast. Uh-huh. We have not seen the Dutch girl they cast. And I'm just saying, yeah, we know. he, And we know he has a daughter. Yeah. This is he's got to come back. You guys, you don't you cannot. Ugh. Got some more him. of these. Is Beard on the same coaching staff as Ted Caroline? No. No. Nicole. Alex. I don't think Ted's going to be coaching. I'll say yes, even if it's a little league team. Oh, that would, that would, as someone who just got out of little league season, that would kick ass. Um, (laughs) Hell yeah, brother. Ted's significant other, Caroline. Henry, does that count? (laughs) Uh, Per all the answers on the spreadsheet, no, that does not count. We are thinking romantic partner. Michelle. Nicole. Um, I'm also going to say Michelle, but uh, I'm with you. I think the, the actual thing is about fathers and sons. If Caroline wants to do the voice. Um, so that's secondary to his story, but I'll, I'll go Michelle because he's grown up and he's not just putting on a fake front all the time. Alex, Michelle. I thought you were going to say Rebecca. Damn. Mike. It's wild. Uh, it's the answer is Michelle, but I'm just going to say sassy to make myself feel good. because yes! I got the for her. My girl, maybe sassy so moves to Kansas. Oh man, that'd be awesome. Do you know, Matt? Do you know? Okay, I'm so. I think I'm gonna say I'm gonna say none. I don't. I don't think Ted's. I didn't know that was an option. You said that wasn't an option. Come on. I did not say that wasn't an option. I I did not say that was not an option. We will check. We will check the tape. I did not say that was not an option. Uh, Rebecca's significant other, Caroline. Dutchman. (laughs) Nicole. Um, I want it to be the Dutchman. I. I really do, but I'm going to say it's someone new, like it's a spark and there's someone new that seems wonderful and we just get to be hopeful for her. Alex, Is it, was that an answer? Is that a <laughs> possibility? Oh. Okay. Uh, oh. Dutchman. Mike. Give me the big Dutch lad. Let's, Let's go. go. I will also say the Dutch lad. The Dutch you, well, then I you wanted to run. say, I want it to be different, but now I want to be together with everybody. <laughs> you don't it's rub like, feet it's like, like that and then get left hanging. That man was ew. out here cooking. Yeah. That was the full hold up. Let him cook. Yeah. I have feelings for this man. <laughs> I'm yeah. combining these two. Keely's significant other, Roy's significant other. Caroline? Each other. Each other. Jamie. Trouble. <laughs> yes, actually. <laughs> I mean, I am, we I I'm think we've seen enough si- we we've seen enough clues that like Jamie could be bisexual. I think like <laughs> what? Just, I do not think that that's actually I know that we No, we have not. Thought so. Those he were just very, like uh, the offhanded really comments flattered. people run with. Yeah, all right, fine. Okay, right, let's roll into the next question. Uh, <laughs> I just love the thought of like Nicole's waiting for them all in the training room to just start kissing yes. each other. <laughs> when he 
kiss. when he cried and like touched Roy's face, she's like, kiss. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's happening. It's happening. <laughs> no, it's mostly a joke. Um, oh. I think that Jamie's like arc is about self-discovery and all of that. But I want him to be happy. I hope he meets somebody. I just want him to be happy. I just want my sweet baby, sweet, sexy baby to be happy. Does Richmond win the Premier League? Yes. Yeah. Nope. <laughs> what a hater. <laughs> I will say yes. Uh, they also have a tiebreaker. Who who is the uh, who ends up holding the pinball high score at the pub? I'm not sure we're going to find this one out. Ted. What was the question? Ted, Ted wasn't even playing last time we saw him. Come on. Yeah. It's true, but he had a lead, but he um, had a lead. Who, who, who's going to hold the high score at the pinball machine at the pub? I don't think Beard's going to be denied on that. He's way I was too say, it's Beard. hyper-focused. Yeah. Beard. It's Beard. Well, or it's May because she's just been playing for 600 years. It's true. It's one of the questions, is May a 600-year-old witch? She invented Pinball. Yeah. <laughs> or she like lives in the machine. It's like her genie lamp is the pinball machine. <laughs> I know we've talked about the potential for spinoffs. I love May's spinoff as basically just a shot by shot recreation of the movie Logan. <laughs> <laughs> it's just May and Boardwalk Empire. Yeah. <laughs> May Everyone in season two of Boardwalk Empire. <laughs> yeah, guess B-W-E. what? Starting next month, big screen boardwalk empire. I hope everyone's ready. ESBWE S2, baby. Let's go. It's just, it's just, it's three, it's three hour solo pods, me doing boardwalk empire. Folks, that is that's all we've got until next week. Uh, everyone go check out Carolina Bed for the Win, Nicole at the Athletic, Alex at For the Win, Mike at the Gojo Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, subscribe wherever you get your podcast, and we will catch you next week for the Ted Lasso season and series finale. Thanks for listening.